1: All right, everybody welcome back to the equipping your grace podcast my name is dave and i'm the host for this show and joining me today on this episode is the always lovely and beautiful uh my sweetheart sarah sarah welcome back to equipping and grace
0: Thank you. Uh, it's going to be back. I I know. It's
1: been a while. <laughs> it has. And that's quite an introduction. I know you're like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, today, guys, we're going to talk. Sarah's joining me and we're going to do uh, a special Valentine's Day episode. And we're going to talk on this show about the problem with a, a self-help view of love and um, love as as work in our marriages by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit and then uh, we're going to provide some practical help for loving uh, your spouse so I hope that this will be uh helpful to you guys as always um so you know as we just start off with talking about the problem with the self-help view of love Sarah what do you what do you think about that
0: well, so many people take this approach uh, from modern psychology that if um, love is is hard, that it's not working, and you know they should just give up and move on. Um, you know, very little people are taking the time to really put in the effort these days. They think that, um, you know, so many of the modern psychologists say, you know, a romantic love is really what you're looking for in a spouse. Um, And that is true to an extent. Uh, Certainly there should be romance in your marriage, but (laughs) when the romance runs out, in the, in the hard times, there's gotta be something there that's foundational. There's gotta be something more that you're putting into it. And it can't just be, well, I don't feel this, you know, lovey dovey feeling anymore. I don't feel like my spouse really loves me, blah, blah, blah. It's, it, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes uh, intentionality. So I think that's a, that's, you know, what we need to talk about here today.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, I, I echo those uh, comments because, you know, we are living unfortunately in a time when even the, 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 when you, we talk about the love of God, that's what people want to talk about, but they get it wrong. They, they, it ends up being all about me and not about God. And, and it's, it's, it's easy to do because the, our default <laughs> is to love ourselves. And to think that we are sufficient in and of ourselves. But my, my larger concern is in contemporary Christianity today, we have this view that we are enough. And we might not even say it, you know, that way. But like you said, even in Christian circles that mix psychology with, you know, the Bible, this is where the the rubber meets the road. Um, you know, here at Servants of Grace, we, re- we reject that view of counseling. Um, I studied at Liberty University under that particular view of counseling, and it undermines the sufficiency of the Bible. Now that doesn't mean that people can't do good and be helpful to other people. Okay. The, that's not what I'm going to say at all. I don't think that's true. But when you what you you can't do ultimate good for people, if you undermine in your approach to counseling and in your ministry to people, if you undermine the sufficiency of scripture, every phase and stage of people's lives for their life and godliness um, you're undermining the power source that god has given to us to you know really be a help to people and so the self-help the self-love movement is a big movement um all you have to do to go is go to the any christian bookstore all you have to do is look online you look at the top podcasts in apple apple under the category of christianity and what you'll see is a whole load of self-help self-love you look at the top books that are published each year that sell bazillions of copies you know millions and millions okay maybe not bazillions right but millions of copies And you see, it's a self-help, it's a million, billion dollar industry, and people are being led astray. You look at, um, as I have many of the top Christian books, you know, you have even one called The Love Language. That can be helpful in in some ways to, to, you know, to to help, but let's be honest, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about your love language, okay? I know that's not a popular view today. That's Dave's take. You can disagree with it and click stop right now. But I hope that you won't because that's not really the point that I want to make. The point is, is this self-help, this self-love movement, it focuses on me and mine rather than on God. And, you know, as we zoom out and we look at scripture, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, it's given in a context In in the midst of an epistle where it's an interesting point in the epistle because it's really one of the only uh, points in the epistle, except for 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul is really giving uh, theological – I mean, he's always giving theological instruction, but this is purely – Theological instruction. And it's in the midst of a congregation that's struggling with spiritual gifts. It's sandwiched between chapters 12 and chapters 13. And we could talk about a whole long thing about this, but this isn't a sermon, so I'm not going to give you all that context work. But the point is, is 1 Corinthians 13 is it, 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 our approach to this in the church today can even give the impression that this love that paul is speaking about is all about me and mine and but but instead it's it's something more it it it's it's supposed to affect our relationships and w- with god and with other people in the local church after all this was this letter was written to a local church so do you want to read that passage sarah
0: Sure. It is 1 First Corinthians First Corinthians, thirteen four through 7. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things.
1: And if we remember that this chapter is written to a church, um, and we, we need to remember that that love, Paul says in first in Galatians five, is at the head of the fruits of the spirit. But we need to remember we can use this chapter in a moralistic way. But what we need to remember most of all about this chapter is that these All of these things that Paul speaks about, they are all true of Jesus, ultimately. Jesus, um, you know, he, he is the one that demonstrates these characteristics in this chapter perfectly for us. And so... We, we might be tempted to think, you know, oh, uh, yeah, guess what? I'm I'm patient. I, I'm kind. I, I hey, guess what, dude? I don't envy. I don't boast. Uh, I'm not I'm not arrogant. Right. I'm not rude. I don't ever insist on my own way. Uh, I'm really never irritable. I never <laughs> resemble, uh, you know, uh, I rejoice all the time. And uh, I, I rejoice in the truth. I, I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things, and endure all things. Okay, but we can just take this check checklist mentality, right? But that that is not what Paul is is talking about here at all, right? He's talking about something—the love of God that has, you know, Paul says in Romans five one through two. This this love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the death and resurrection of christ uh as paul says in second corinthians 5 we we're new creations in him and so the reason that we can even love in this way like christ which is the point and and that love is is affecting our lives then is because of jesus so it'd it be we have to begin with this way because what paul does is he counters you know, he's he, this self help l- love movement has been going on a long time, and that's not necessarily Paul's principal motivation with writing this chapter. But he is giving it, it is theological, it is intended to, to say, Hey, this is how your relationship first with God and, and then with one another are to, to play out. Um, and we're going to see this in uh, in 1 John 4 uh, 7 through 12. Do you want to read that, Sarah?
0: Sure. Um, 1 John 4 um, begins uh, in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Love for one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfect perfected in us.
1: Yeah, notice notice what it says. For we love to quote uh verse seven. We but we stop at for love is from God. But John doesn't stop there. He says, And love has been born of God and knows God. So the one that says that they they love god he's giving a litmus test hey okay so you say that you love the lord that's great okay but how are you really doing at that have you been have you are you really loving the lord in your in your relationship and, and by the way this is one of the things that john does is he uses the great commandment to love the lord our god with all of our heart with all of our mind and with all of our soul and he gives these litmus tests to see How are you doing at what you profess with your mouth? How are you doing it at walking it out in the midst of your relationships? And it's a it's a very convicting, convicting thought, because, again, if we're all honest, like we just talked about from First Corinthians 13, we all we all miss the mark. And I don't care if you've been a Christian 50 years, Uh, you we all miss the mark. We still have remaining sin and we still have plenty of room um to to repent to eat that humble pie and that doesn't taste very good but you know we have to repent of we have to repent of pride right and because John says whoever loves god has been born of god they they've been made a new creation and they they know god and then he goes on and he he talks about in verse 8 anyone who does not love god does not know god because god is love so again he's He's telling us, look, hey, this is the person who says they know God. You say, you know, God, um, if you don't love God, you don't know God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says in verse nine, and this is the love of God was made. He's giving the gospel here. And th- this is the lo- the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, and this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. That's Mm -hmm. good news. Mm -hmm. And verse 11, if if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected. So notice this. It's because God first loved us that we can love him. And that we can love one another. That's the point. And getting that order right is so important. And that's 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 why we're 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 talking about it today. This is some of you might think, well, this is really, really basic, Dave. You know what? The choir, as I said recently, um, in a, in a conversation with my, my mentor Mike Sarah knows about this too. He, uh, we were talking, and I, I, I want to tell him. He's like, you know this, but I say, I would always say, the choir needs preaching to. You. I need preaching to. You. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife, and she's right here, so she can tell you. But <laughs> you know, just because, just because you know, we we know these things. We need to be. We're, we're told to stir one another up by way of reminder, mm-hmm. um, so that, and in, in Hebrews three three thirteen. It tells us that that one of the reasons is so that our we don't become hard hearted, you know. We get we are prone to get discouraged, and this is what ultimately what a um, this is ultimately what a self help view of love does. It it might help uh provide a remedy for a short bit of time, but like you were saying uh, towards the beginning, Sarah, it it ultimately you know when the feelings seem to flame away and. It it just seems like, you know, you've lost that spark and that there's too much of this kind of teaching in the church today. And, and we have to counter it by just saying, look, the real the real reason that we can love one another isn't because I'm so great. And isn't because you're so great. It isn't because we're so happy together. Even those feelings come and go. Um, it doesn't mean that we care any more or less about each other. But the real grounding for our marriages has to be in the love of God that that Christ has given to us because he's first loved us. And then because of this, he's enabled us through our union with Christ and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to love him, to prioritize him, to treasure him, and then out of that to love one another. And that's what John is saying, and that's what you know, 1 Corinthians and and all these other texts are trying to get us to understand.
0: You know, you make a really good point about loving God first. And I just wanted to point out also here in the same passage, um, this passage is not talking about loving one another. The first verse in that uh, section that we read, verse seven, um, you know, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves uh, has been born of God and knows God. Um, when it says, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, that's not necessarily talking about loving, you know, your parents or your spouse or your kids or, um, you know, somebody in the church or whatever. It's talking about loving god whoever loves god knows god you can't if you if you don't know god you don't love god period you can't there's no way to get around that you have to love god first because in order to in order for that outpouring to happen in your life his spirit has to be indwelling in you um it's it there's no other way around it
1: yeah so yeah i mean you can you can try all you want to be a loving spouse and whatever but the reason that many people are bumping their head against that and and finding it hard is is you might not be a christian and I know that's not a I know that's not a popular thing to say, but you have to you have to ask yourself, are you one of the fruits that the spirit is producing in us? The Galatians five, twenty-two through twenty-three, the fruits of the spirit, these are things that for those who are united to Christ by faith, they have they are indwelt by the spirit. These are things that the Holy Spirit is taking, using the word in our lives. And we are to progress in these things. And if there's never any progression in those things, you have to ask yourself, you know, because the Holy Spirit is aiming to do those things. If there's never any evidence of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and self-control, you have to be honest and ask yourself the question, am I a Christian? You know, and the second Corinthians tells us that we're to examine ourselves to see ourselves are in the face. So we're not asking you to 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 question your insurance we're asking you to consider if you're having a hard time perpetually loving the lord first uh and and loving the things that he loves then you we have to ask a question are you a christian have you been born again have you um, maybe maybe you haven't placed your hope and your trust in Christ. And that's this is where, you know, um, just to be clear, I would I would say that you should go to your to your pastor and have that conversation so that they can help you to work through these things. These these things are, you know, it's easy to get on a podcast, especially and 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 to to provide, you know, thoughtful commentary but it's a whole nother thing when you get down into it there's a whole lot more to it uh especially in as you're getting into people's lives like I have for so long um because you know people are complex there's no there's no uh when the rubber meets the road and there's no cookie cutter solution here uh, but there is hope and and so I would just say you know if you're having issues or questions about your assurance, um questions about whether you are a christian or not please go to your pastor at your local church have that conversation have that conversation with an older trustworthy man if you're a man if you're a lady have that conversation with a trusted you know older lady and and you know these are, these are the kind of conversations that you really need to have you know um heaven is forever and hell is real um it's a place of unending unrelenting conscious punishment and, and we don't want to we don't want to we're not trying to go down this road where we're questioning people's salvation and these kind of things. But, you know, if there's even now I'll say this, if there's even a sliver of the fruit of the spirit at work in your life, then rejoice in the Lord because you're indwelt by the spirit um, and, you know, you have hope. But if there is no sliver, even as tiniest sliver, then you have to ask the question. And I think it's a worthy question. Um because there is such a false view of love in our day um we we need to we need to at least be open to the conversation and um you know our merit like sarah saying we need to prioritize the lord uh first and foremost in our hearts this is why the great commandment says to love the lord our god with all of our heart with all our mind with our soul every time that this is given the priority is first on loving the lord treasuring him above all things and that's even what john is doing here first are are, are you treasuring in the the supremacy and in the sufficiency of god through christ or and first and foremost or are you are you where where's your hope and where's your confidence is it in something else and so um you know, there, there's hope and there's lots of gospel in this. In verse 10, uh, verse 11, um, we see it. Uh, verse uh, 9. I mean, it, we're not talking about some moralistic uh, view of love here. We're talking about the real love of God and the real love that Christ has paid for when he said in John 19.30, it is finished. So,
0: yeah. But, well. I was just going to say. um, So, to wrap up on that point here, if you're struggling to love God first, if you are struggling to love those around you, it is so imperative, so extremely imperative that you take time to really consider, to truly say, okay. Why am I having this hard time loving God? And maybe it's not that you're not a Christian. It could be that you have uh, anger in your heart towards them or unrepentance. And, you know, a lot of Christians go through stages in their life where they um, get angry at God or where they question him or where they even doubt his goodness. And, you know, we all go through trials. We all go through tribulations in our lives. And it's so so important for us to, um, hand those over to the Lord and, and confess sin in our lives. So I don't want to go down too far into that rabbit trail, but, um, but if you, if you're struggling with the fruits of the spirit, if you're struggling with, with that, and you know, you know, you have the assurance that you're a Christian and you've seen, uh, you know, the work of the Holy spirit in your life, take time to consider what is keeping you from loving God and loving others the way that you should. Yeah. And this
1: is so important to talk about today because as we're, as we're talking about, and this leads to the second point, you know, love is work in our marriage. It is, it is work that God is working in us all. Um, But, you know, especially for men, because we have uh, new hearts, (laughs) we are commanded five times in the en- most English translations in Ephesians 5, and six times in the Greek there um, in Ephesians 5, to love our spouse uh, like Christ gave himself up for the church. Ephesians 5.25, does husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? Uh, Ephesians 5.30, however, let each of one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband, first Peter four, eight above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Now we are kind of using these verses. So I'll just say this Ephesians five, you know, is in a, in a first three chapters, I'll say of Ephesians, it gives the gospel. It tells us, you know, about who we belong to because of Christ. And this, these are known as indicatives. They're what Christ has done in our place and for our sin and, He was buried and he rose again. Chapters four and five and and even six are the imperative. These are things that we're to do because we believe and we've been united to Christ by faith in his name and we're indwelt by the spirit. And these are things that God is working in our lives. And so it's not just that we're jumping into these passages that I just read rather rather what 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 God tells us these are things that because we have believed as we just talked about a, a little bit earlier these are things that we're commanded to do because we say that we belong we, we profess that we belong to Christ and so for men we are commanded because of the grace that we have received and because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit We are to love our wives. That is not an option. It builds on what we already talked about. Paul is, again, taking the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he's saying, here, look, this is your, this is, you say you love God? Great. Your wife is your neighbor. How are you doing at loving her? Um, And he doesn't make this, he does not make this an option. Um." You know, he says in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 5.33, let each of you love his wife as himself. Okay. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this is more than just some sort of feeling, some sort of fad, some sort of, you know, euphoric high that it's, it's depicted as. This is. This is the language, the reason that a, that a man and a woman can, you know, love one another is because of the foundation that we already talked about, the love of God that's in Christ. Um, the reason that the man can lovingly lead his, his wife is um, because of Christ. It's mm-hmm. not because of ourselves.
0: You know, I've, I've struggled with this in the past. Um Loving you know, my spouse, loving my parents, loving, your day. loving, loving, uh, my siblings, you know, it's, it's hard work. Um, as- well, and especially the loving the spouse, because you're with them all the time. You don't, it's not something where you can just like take a break. You know, it'd be one thing if, you know, you only saw them once a week, like you do everybody else at church or twice a week, or even three times a week, you're there, uh, you know, in the morning at night, any, any time in between, whatever. And uh, if you're, we're not to let the sun go down in our anger. And so part of this is learning how to, um, like Dave said earlier, eat humble pie and confess sin and, you know, not just to God, but to each other. Um, There are times when, You know, Dave or I have had to confess a a wrong attitude or a wrong, uh, um, a hurtful way we said something to each other. And it's not fun. It's. It's hard. You think that it sounds, you know, hard, but when you put it into practice, it's 10 times as hard as it sounds. And because our nature doesn't want us to um, be wrong or to seem weak or to uh, admit when somebody else is right. And we're not, um, or even when we have hurt someone, It, it's a bitter pill to swallow to have to go back to that person and say, you know what? I really messed up and I'm sorry. Um, Can you forgive me? And you had best bet that there have been times in my life when I've been praying, Lord, help me resolve this situation. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to move forward here. And every time I guarantee you every time the Lord has worked a miracle again, because he'll bring either me or Dave back into the same room. And somehow we find a way forward because God is in the midst because he is working in us and through us. And it's, that's why it's so imperative to have His spirit in you. And I can't even imagine what it would be like for those of you that have a, um, that are a Christian, but have a non-Christian spouse. I'm, it's, it's, that's a, that's even trickier. And to be honest with you, you're going to be having a lot harder time, you know, um, with your relationship with that person, because they won't have the spirit indwelling in them. And it's going to have to remain on your shoulders to really show them what God's love is in and how that effectively uh, works in a marriage. And so, you know, for those of you out there, I'm uh, that are in that situation. I am praying for you because that's not easy. But anyway, getting back to the point here, um, you see in Ephesians five thirty three where it says uh, the husband is to love the wife as he loves himself, and see that the wife respects her husband. Let's face it, ladies, they make it hard. They really do not going to beat around the bush about that, but you know what? He is God's uh, appointed authority over you as, as a uh, headship in the home. And whether it's just you and him or you have kids or whatever the situation is, God has called him to be the leader and you to be the helper. um, and so that respecting, that's in there for a reason. And it's not so that he can use you as the doormat. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Paul's talking about here. It's so that you understand that God has set him up as the authority in the in the home. And you are called in that way to submit as a spouse to him. And if you're struggling in that area, Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying and ask God for patience and endurance and and for his love, because the only way that you're going to move forward is if you can see your husband, the way that Christ sees him, Mm -hmm. the way that God sees uh, him as, you know, somebody that he bought and uh, at a high price. Um, If he is a Christian in the faith like you are, he has purchased that man just like he's purchased you through his blood. And it was a costly, costly, uh, effort for Jesus Christ to go through that. And it is not something that we can belittle. Um, we need to, we need to magnify God in any way that we can. And that means showing the love of God to our spouse and hmm. the way that men see that love the most is through love and respect of them. And. Yeah. Do your best. <laughs> Keep going forward in that area.
1: You know, I remember uh, one time uh, we were living in Idaho, and I and I know I've told you this before, and I probably have shared about this story when we've talked before uh, on the show. But you know, I had I had had a men's meeting where I was leading the meeting, and then I taught the the men's Bible study right after that. Uh, I had worked all day, whatever various things, and. Came back, drove home, you know, 30 minutes from where we were going to church and uh, crawled into bed. And I, I just felt like I needed to pray and said, Lord, help me to love my wife more. Mm. And you know what? These are things like you're talking about. These are things that the Holy Spirit is working in us. It's so if we if we are having even a desire I'll say it this way, a desire to love our spouse. That desire does not come from ourselves. That desire comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the Spirit using the word in our lives and helping us uh, massaging those fruits of the Spirit more and more in our lives. And that's true, like you were saying, it's true not only in marriage, it's true in our relationships. And so anytime that you know we have loving we're, we're loving actions, loving thoughts, loving, you know, doing good. That's that's coming from the Lord. It's it's a fruit of the gospel at work in our lives by the spirit because we're united to Christ by faith. And this is why this is why we're talking about this, because ultimately, at the end of the day, the, the moralistic doing it your own way in your own power and in your own strength, it's it leads to. It leads to a lot of failure. It leads mm-hmm. to a lot of frustration. and that's that's like, duh, I know that. Um, but it's too true. We We too often are even as Christians, prone to not spend that time in prayer, in the word ourselves. And then we wonder, what what is wrong with my marriage? and And I just want to say something about that that and, and we're gonna go here in just a second, but before we do, you know, just consider, are you pointing too many men or pointing the finger at their spouse and saying, "You know what the problem is with my spouse? Well, what about you? Um one of the biggest things that I talk to men about, and when they come to me and they ask they they tell me about their struggles, I ask them, "How are you doing the Bible reading and prayer bro gets It gets pretty quiet, pretty fast. And and then I ask, are you you spending any time in the Bible and any time in prayer? And the tragic answer is next to none. And then I have to say, then let's be honest. The reason that you're struggling in your marriage, the reason that you're struggling in your walk with God is you're not spending time with God.
0: Mm.
1: And that's true for all of us. All of us should be convicted— and 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 as we talk, that's why I talk so much on this show about it because it's a quality thing. Five to ten minutes, we all have it. If you drive to work every Sarah and I, we work from home, um, and so you know we don't drive hardly anywhere except to church on Sunday and maybe you know a couple other times during the week. So you know, for but for those of you that are commuting. You have 30, maybe 10, 15, 30 minutes to spend that time. Turn off the podcast, turn off the news, turn off the music, turn on that Bible, spend that 15, 10 10 minutes of your drive listening to scripture, Um, spend that five minutes the rest of the time praying Mm -hmm. and guarantee you the more quality time that you're spending, especially in the Bible and in prayer, it's going to make a difference um, over time. You're going to see, you're going to start to see a difference. It's it, and it's not just praying prayers like, hey, Lord, help me in this." It's it's not just let at, letting Him know about your cares and your burdens. It's praying for your spouse. It's praying for your family. It's praying for, you know, those things. And this is a part of our communion with Christ because we've been united to Christ by faith. And so, um. That, that's just one thing. But, uh, you know, family worship as a man, you are called by the grace of God to lead your family. That's what Paul is talking about. In, in Ephesians five, you are called to lovingly lead your 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 uh, your wife, your family. If you have kids, one of the best ways is to um, do family worship, open the Bible, read it, uh, then pray, ask for any prayer requests. Uh, have a time of confession of sin, even if it's just reading First John one nine, um, and ask everybody to spend some time thinking about their, you know, where they are are sinning and and those kind of things. Uh, spend some time worshiping the Lord, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of really good books that can that can help you. One is by Jonathan Gibson that Sarah and I have been using for a little while now. There's another little helpful booklet by uh Joel Beakey on family worship. And these are just really good instruction for doing this. But the point is if if you open the Bible, read the Bible, even a, a chapter, and you pray and you uh you know worship the Lord together, the singing doesn't have to be the best. Um, <laughs> we just read a we read a hymn. We don't sing it. Um and then you know talk about it a little bit it doesn't have to take long. It can take 10 minutes. It can take 15 minutes, but it's well worth it.
0: Absolutely. You know, I have really enjoyed reading that devotional. And I will say that um, anytime that we sit down together and have discussions like, uh, you know, through the word or through devotional like that, I find myself thinking about, everything, well, not everything, but so many ideas come to mind about how I can, you know, Um, be more like Christ in this or that. And I, I mean, obviously that's the point, but when it comes down to it, those thoughts being put in my head, those are not from me. Those are from the Lord. You know, he's whispering into my mind saying, you know, this is how you are to love your spouse or this is how you are to show compassion to someone, or this is how you are to, you know, have faithfulness and, or, exude gentleness and self-control there are fruits of the spirit that um so many times we are ignoring instead of um putting more into practice when we should be that's that's the whole goal as a christian is to grow in those fruits of the spirit and to love god as much as and as hard as we can Um, so this whole like you know, ignoring the Bible and not praying together—it's got to stop. As, as husbands and wives and as families, you—I can't even tell you how often Dave has confided in me, um, you know, about uh, this or that that he's noticed, um, whether somebody in the world or a friend or you know, a discussion that he had with somebody where he is just blown away by the fact that they're unwilling half the time to even consider that the problem is, is that they're not spending any time in prayer and in the word. It's kind of a no brainer. And yet common sense isn't all that common anymore, is it? (laughs) But you know, uh, it it seems like an insurmountable thing. The thing that I can tell you to encourage you in this area, um, wives, especially I don't, I didn't really think that I had time to read the Bible But the truth of the matter is, is I have so much time to read the Bible that I just pretend that I don't. Um, For example, I listen to it when I'm taking a shower in the morning. Um, I I take the Bible app, I turn it on to the part that I'm reading through, and I just listen to that. And then, you know, when I'm done, maybe turn on some praise and worship music or you know, um, or maybe just spend some time praying as I'm finishing getting ready, whatever it is. You you have the time. It's, it's making the effort to do the things that you need to do. That's the challenge. So I'm just praying for you. Uh, anybody listening out there that's struggling in this area, Lord, um, show them where they can Find the time, show them where they can repurpose a moment or two to spend time with you and make it count, because this is absolutely imperative for your walk with Jesus.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I pulled up those books and uh, they're called, uh, here's three of them. Uh, Be Thou My Vision, A Liturgy for Daily Worship by Jonathan Gibson. That's the one that, that we've used. Uh, we really enjoy. It has a scripture reading, um, a whole bunch of quotes, and it's just really well-balanced. You even read a confession and a catechism. So you get a, you get a really good balance, and it it takes maybe you know, 10, 15 minutes to go through, so it's not really all that long. Uh, another good book is Family Worship by Donald Whitney, and another good one is the one I was mentioning by Beaky, it's these are really small. Be, the Whitney one and the Beaky one are really, really small. I think they're maybe 50, 75 pages. Uh, and the one by Beaky is family worship. So those are really, uh, really helpful. Uh so you know, you mentioned something I think that is something I know you and I are really big on because we we've seen how it helps um helps us uh in in our you know our marriage and that is just spending time together talking and building friendship and trust
0: yeah um i think that uh any time that we've had a moment to sit down and have uh, just a chat about what we're um you know maybe reading or uh something that we uh, heard recently in a sermon or whatever it is it, it always brings a really great, um, discussion. (laughs) Well, with some caveats, okay. Uh, we're not perfect. We never will be until we're in heaven. Even then it's only Christ's righteousness and perfection that (laughs) is honest. But, you know, for the most part, I would say 99% of the time, whenever we have these discussions and stuff, it's like, um, it's, it's getting an opportunity to really see how the Lord is at work in your spouse. And that's something that I cherish. And I also love the, the opportunity to share with Dave, what God is revealing in my heart. So it's, it's a, it's team building, if you will. (laughs) Um, It helps you uh, see, you know, how God is pouring out His Spirit into your spouse, and it's uh, it's really an opportunity to also pray for them uh, if, however, they need prayer, whatever they're struggling in, because it'll bring forth uh, questions, and um, you know, maybe there's some things that they may not mention, but they they sound you know concerned over with you know something in Scripture. That's an opportunity and you may not have to say anything at the time, but you can be praying for your spouse in that area. You know, it's not something that, um, that they may automatically ask for prayer for. Maybe they don't realize they need prayer for it, but seek and and uh, look for those opportunities to have, you know, m- moments of, of discussion and um, use it as God leads in your life.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's really good. And I think that, you know, open and honest communication um, un- with understanding of what we've talked about previously, uh, prioritizing Christ and the word and the means of grace in our lives. This is another way that your marriage can be helped. You know, you mm-hmm. want to stay out of the, the pastor's office and you want to stay out of the biblical counseling office. This this is the way. It It's just sitting down and talking it out. And notice I said talking. Talking doesn't mean you're screaming. Talking mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're raising your voice. Talking means you are talking to somebody like you are at a coffee shop and you're talking, you're engaging, you're listening, you're talking and you're confessing sin if there's any sin to be confessed and you're you're keeping short accounts with with the lord and with your spouse and uh these are these are some things that you know being open and being honest about your your struggles with your spouse guys will be it'll help you and ladies being open and honest with your with your husband about what's happening in your heart and life, these things build trust. Talking about your finances and talking about you know the struggles that you're having, these things build trust. the The lack of communication is a hindrance, mm. but the o- openness and 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 the the openness of communication it does the opposite. It builds trust. It builds friendship. It builds continuing. Um, the, it continues to foster. Um that kind of relationship that, that really does honor God, you know, as Sarah said, we, you know, we have our, we have our moments, you know, but the more that we take these things that we've talked about, you know, some people say, you know, Oh, well, you're going to have conflict in marriage. You, it doesn't mean that you're never going to have conflict. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have disagreements, but it, it it is about how you work through them and, and how you talk about them and then because it, it goes back to you know like we talked about from first john okay so you say that you profess to love god okay how are you doing it that in practice and the, for for a man um let alone a man a christian man in ministry if you're not doing well at that your first priority your first ministry is to your spouse uh how are you doing it that and I can tell you as somebody who talks to a lot of guys that Sarah's hitting at, um, I can tell you that a lot of guys shockingly are not doing well at that. And I just want to say that, you know, these are some things that will help you. These are some things that, you know, uh, I over uh, the conversations that I have with men over and over again are these same types of conversations. And so, um, you know, these are some keys. These are some things and I'll, and I'll share this, you know, there was a, when we first started working on our communication, it started with me sitting in my office. Um, it was over a decade. I think we were a few years in our marriage, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We were a few years in our marriage. And I went to Sarah and I said, look, I just got, I was just thinking about, you know, the Lord and you know, needing, uh, uh, was sitting there thinking about how i'm a christian leader and how i'm not doing very well at at loving my spouse and i'm the room is getting suddenly very hot because the holy spirit is uh convicting me and uh, i repented but then i went in you know and i at the time she didn't want to sarah didn't want to talk to me because we had had a conflict and i acted like a doofus and uh, I, but I had to go and apologize. And, you know, it probably wasn't the right time. I should have waited a bit, uh, as, as I recall. And that's a good thing too, giving it a little air time. Don't just, you got convicted and you want to go in and you want to rush in, Get you, you got to give your wife a little bit of space, bro, <laughs> you know? Um, and I had to learn, I had to learn that in the process. But but out of that conversation that we were able to have, was a lot of these things that we're talking about today a lot of the things that we've talked about before um specifically apologizing specifically talking about things in our lives taking the time being intentional um these are these are some things that will actually help you and it it's not a overnight kind of thing it's not a okay well dave i'm going to do those things i'm going to and and i'm going to snap my fingers and everything's going to be right these are things that take these are things that take time and mm-hmm. how long and time, you know, that that's up to you and your spouse and the Lord, but, you know, it takes time. You know, if you don't do those things for a long period of time, it's going to take long, a lot longer to build those habits of open and honest communication, you know, first with, as we talked about with the Lord and, and then, you know, with your spouse in, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you maybe you've even already been doing those things. Paul tells us to excel all the more in 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 loving one another and those kind of things. And so there's always room. Uh, I don't care how long you've been married or a Christian or however long you've been in ministry. There is always more room to excel all the more at these things. And I and I think if you're not willing to excel all the more at those things. Um, you're going to end up, it's so easy to deviate from these things. They really have to be, they have to be a habit. They have to be practiced. They have to be intentionally, uh, put into place, um, mm-hmm. day after day, after day, month after month, after month, year after year, after year, moment after moment, after moment. And if, and if they're not, then you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be like, why don't we talk? Hmm. Um. Why don't we why don't we have these kind of relation? Why don't we have these kind of conversations of the heart? And that, that's that's uh, sadly, Um. you know, I'll just say. You know, when when my parents when I was a teenager, my parents had conversations, but they yelled at each other, they screamed at each other. These are not the kind of conversations, you know, where where you're going to have any kind of productive conversation. Those are the kind of conversations if you're yelling and screaming at everyone, you need to bring somebody into those conversations so that you can get to the place where you can have productive, heartfelt, honest conversations. But for any married couple, we can you can all do that. You can all have those conversations, sit down and talk and talk through how you feel. Start with how do you feel? Make it subjective. Make it as subjective as you want and then work through that because everybody deserves to be heard everybody has a side um you know um and if you're not willing to listen and and be slow to speak uh you need to read james 119 again um i remember i remember out of high school my dad wrote me a letter and this was 23 years ago now i remember he wrote me a letter he said dave david you need to read James 119, and you need to be slow to speak and quick to listen, because I was not. And I would say the same thing to that my dad said to me, be slow to speak, quick to listen. It's easy to talk. It's easy to get on social media. It's easy to blast somebody up on the phone. But slow down, get in the Bible, pray, talk to the Lord, talk to your spouse.
0: You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the words from here, dad, to you um, about being slow to uh, speak. It's ironic that, you know, from what you've told me of his marriage with your mom, that he behaved in the exact opposite. It's like he was sitting you down saying, don't make the mistake that I made. Like, let this be an example to you of how not to be. and remember this in the future because you're going to have that moment and anybody that's married is going to have that moment when their first impulse is to just lay that other person out. Like you have no right. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm right. You're wrong. That was the stupidest thing you've ever said or done, blah, blah, blah. And The problem with that response is that it's not loving at all. You are not being uh, a, a mirror for Christ in that moment. And it can be so, so challenging to take a breath. Okay, I can't talk to you right now. I need five minutes. I need 10 minutes. Let's come back in here in just a minute. I need to. I need to have a moment to myself, and and to pray, okay. And and that is where Dave and I started uh, really building our relationship more and more because we would have. I mean, <laughs> I'm. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't. We would yell at each other. To be blunt, we would yell at each other, just like how his parents did, and just like how. You know, I did with, um, my mom, for example, you know, it's a learned behavior when you get that, um, well, obviously part of it is our sin nature. We, uh, we tend to head that direction, regardless of whether or not we've seen it demonstrated, but, uh, so much of that can be, can be, um, taught. So, learning to, learning to have that moment where you're taking a deep breath and you're saying, God, I need your wisdom. I need you to, uh, you know, to not sound cliche or whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to quote that one song, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you just need to say, okay, uh, Lord have, have control of this moment, have, uh, be, be the, be the change in me that I need to that I need to emulate for others, because I can't do this. I can't. And you won't. You won't. If you try and do it on your own, you absolutely will not be able to move forward, because God has to be the person that's making that change in you. You you have no power aside from what He has given you. You have nothing. You can't even take a breath. This this life, he's holding it together, the molecules in your body. So just remember that every time you come into conflict with something, and it's not just your spouse, but anytime you have a conflict with someone, you need to be remembering, God, be the one, be the words, be the thoughts, be the actions. Let me be uh, emulating you in everything. And if that means walking out of the room for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however long it takes you to wrap your brain around Jesus, uh, Jesus's commands and um, how, how it uh, applies to your life again. And uh, getting that sense of peace in your in your heart before you move forward, then take that time. Don't don't rush through it, because taking that time and allowing the peace of God to fall on you again can Maybe change your life. Maybe have an impact on your marriage. Maybe maybe be the thing that allows you to turn around. Dave's parents—they went through with their divorce. They got a divorce um, when he was a teenager, and it highly impacted him all the way through into his adult life. And unfortunately, that's happening over fifty percent of the time in marriages in in uh, the United States, even in Christian homes. So. You know, I I guess the bottom line that I'm trying to get at here is learn how to uh, take a moment and how to um, just bring your level down and think through what you need to say in a way that is calm and uh, you know, just have as much uh, forethought into how you're going to approach the situation and allow God to be the peace that flows through you.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's really good. Uh, Thank you, sweetheart, for joining us today. Guys, I hope that this episode has been helpful for your life and godliness. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you.